Today I'm sitting down with Father Ken Dos Santos, author of Hagia Sophia, The Wisdom of God as Offered to the Modern World. Father, thanks for agreeing to have a conversation today. Thank you for having me. So tell us how you first found holy wisdom for yourself. What brought you to the Catholic faith? Was it your family? Was it a conversion experience? It was definitely my family. Uh, my, you know, as long as I can remember, I, I am a cradle Catholic, and mm -hmm. as long as I can remember, my family was very religious, and uh, my father was uh, ordained to the diaconate, you know, and I mm -hmm. served as a, an altar server, his ordination. Mm -hmm. And it was at the, uh, the uh, cathedral in Hartford. Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, as long as I can remember, you know, I was always around the church and around the faith. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is very much, uh, some holy wisdom has been handed on to you by your family through, through your growing up, through your environment, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And truth, you know, for sure. Yeah. Have you, how have you made it your own? What led you from being raised in it to saying, and yes, I consent? <laughs> That's a long story. It okay. really is. Go ahead. Uh, but uh, when I was young, I was called to the priesthood, mm -hmm. you know, as I'm an altar server and uh, being around the church, I I was called to the priesthood and I knew it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I went to public school and so I got on the bus and told people that, you know, I was thinking about the priesthood, mm -hmm. you know, as uh, my vocation. And I was chastised for that, mm -hmm. you know, so I pushed away from it for many years, you know, even though I felt called to it. Mm -hmm. I pushed away from it because I didn't want that, you know, chastisement, you know, yeah. from, from the other people. So throughout my adult life, you know, uh, I had a, you know, a period of time where I was working, and then you know I, I ended up meeting a, a woman that I wanted to marry, mm -hmm. and uh, that fell through. Yeah. So I said, well, I'll focus all of my efforts on work. Okay. You know, I put everything into work. Then that fell through. <laughs> and so it was this, this uh, everything was being taken away a little by little. Yeah. And I had to focus on what was really, truly important in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, so I started to pray a lot of prayers, and one was to St. Jude. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because at this point, I'm like, I'm a hopeless case. You know, I need, I need some help. Yeah. So I was praying to St. Jude, and... Uh, I ended up having losing my house. You know, I had a mm -hmm. house, and uh, I ended up losing that. Uh, you know, let's put it this way: I, I couldn't pay for it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did end up selling it. Okay. And I moved out to my parents' house, mm -hmm. and that's when I started to look at uh, the the Montfort Fathers. Mm -hmm. You know, which are there's a, a shrine right near my mother and father's house. Uh, so I would attend daily mass there outside during the summer and started to talk to some of the novices there. And um, I knew kind of that that wouldn't be my calling, you know, because it, they are more a missionary uh, order. Yep. So if you go into that order, you're a missionary throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see myself doing that. So I did apply to the Archdiocese of Harford. And I was waiting for their decision, you know, uh, and that's when I met Father Cass mm -hmm. uh, at a mission he was doing in uh, at a church mm -hmm. uh, in Goshen, uh, Connecticut, yeah. where my father was deacon. And so I met Father Cass after his his talk, and um, Ellen Miller, 
mm-hmm. and kind of you know discussed a little you know my applying to the Archdiocese of Hartford. Yep. And uh, he said, well, if they say no to you for whatever reason, he says, give me a call. Okay. And so that's uh, how I ended up calling him. Um, they, uh, the Archdiocese of Hartford was going to accept me, but they wanted me to go out and get my own bachelor's degree first. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really comfortable with that. And so I called Father Cash. Okay. And uh, that's how I ended up, uh, you know, meeting the Marians and then uh, seeing okay. if it was a fit. I want to go back just a bit because you had, it seems like for you, resistance to the vocation was also kind of resistance to the faith, and they were tangled up together. Is that an accurate, am I hearing you right? In a way, um, I never felt like following the faith was the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so even throughout the period of my life where I would say I had a reversion, yeah, um, I would still go to church every mm-hmm. Sunday. You know, but was that sinking in? Yeah. You know, everything that I heard. Yeah. You know, and I, I would say no, you know, during okay. that period of time. Uh, but I always knew that the faith was true mm-hmm. and that I needed to be near it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many people do you think, do you think there is a certain, a certain percentage of the people who kind of drift away from the faith? And it's not just apathy. It's not just... Um, that that they haven't really been properly catechized, but rather that some of them are hearing a call from God that they really don't want to say yes to. Yeah, I think most of it's fear. It's based okay. on fear. It's like, what, uh, you know, am I ready to take that step? Mm-hmm. And and it is a step out in faith. Yeah. Um, you know, they kind of know it innately. Mm-hmm. You know, but but it's like, am I ready to take that step? Yeah. Yeah, this sacrifice is asked, or this, what seems like a sacrifice, even if it's a path to a huge blessing, it it seems too much. Okay, that's interesting. So then, has devotion to the Blessed Mother always been part of your spirituality? Absolutely. Okay. And there's a piece of video that may uh, run in the um, on, on our EWTN show, mm-hmm. uh, where I'm speaking about my childhood and and my mother had asked me at one point uh, if there was a fire in the house Mm -hmm. what would you save and i and i said i would save my statue of the blessed mother Mm -hmm. because i always had that connection from Mm -hmm. from day one with with our lady Hmm. was that your parents example or was that something more instinctive i I think it's instinctive a lot of it's instinctive my parents definitely fostered that you Mm -hmm. know with the rosary and other things. But I I, I think it was a lot instinctive. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So explain then, why is Our Lady called the Seat of Wisdom? I mean, for, for me, that would be because she bore the God-man, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, God, who is all wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, took on flesh in her womb. Yep. You know, so that's what I would say with that. Uh, and that's... Uh, you know, through her ascent, through her fiat, mm-hmm. um, you know, wisdom took on flesh. Okay. So then what does that imply for people who want to be wise or who want to find wisdom? Does it make her an unavoidable part of that journey, would you say? or I would say that the journey towards wisdom mm-hmm. is made easier through her. Okay. All right. All right. I... 
I know one thing that I've, I've found very profound over the years in some of the church fathers especially, the discussion of anyone who serves truth serves Christ, whether they know it or not. And it seems like here you'd have a similar thing. Anyone who pursues Jesus will find him, but they'll also find his mother eventually. If they're honestly searching, that the, the two aren't separable. You cannot find wisdom without also finding her. Do you think that's a valid insight? I do. Um, and I think mostly because any of the graces that we receive mm -hmm. from God come through her. Okay. And uh, you know, so we pray her for, for her intercession, mm -hmm. and uh, she obtains those graces you mm -hmm. know, for us. Uh, you know, but the graces flow through her, from mm -hmm. God through her to us. Okay. All right. And talk a little bit about her, her other – her relationships to the other persons of the Trinity as well. Jesus is certainly the reason, the logos of God. But the Spirit and the Father have roles in this as well, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, a Dominican that I can't think of his name right now, but he, he wrote a book on the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and he uh, called the Holy Spirit the uncreated Immaculate Conception mm -hmm. and Our Lady the Immaculate Conception. Yep. You know, yeah. So uh, there's definitely a relationship you know, she has with all three of the persons mm -hmm. of the Trinity. But yet not a part of the Trinity. Yeah. She's not a part of the Trinity, but yeah. she's a creature. Uh, but she has a relationship with all three. Yeah. Then the same thing for all of us eventually, right? All of us will have relationships, should have relationships with all three persons. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've, you've certainly centered this book on holy wisdom and, and Our Lady's Seat of Wisdom. Why this book now? Why this set of topics now? Well, I think uh, a lot of these topics, um, and they are separate topics, mm -hmm. uh, they're all related to wisdom, okay. uh, but all separate topics. And I think each one of those came about, you know, in our current times, mm -hmm. as, you know, especially through the COVID, you know, time, I had a lot of time to reflect. Mm -hmm. And each one of those subjects mm -hmm. came out of, you know, what is currently happening. Okay. So I wrote, uh, and and most of the things that I do write are current, mm -hmm. currently uh, inspired. Okay. All right. But I suppose is this holy wisdom in response to a time that that you think lacks wisdom? Is this holy wisdom that's perennially appropriate, and so let's apply it now? Like, what is the what brings this this um, presented in this fashion now? I think it's that people don't recognize God as the source of wisdom, mm -hmm. and so there's there's this um, tendency yeah. to try to find human wisdom, mm -hmm. and not to recognize that God is the source and origin of mm -hmm. all wisdom. And I think that's why it's current now because uh, people have to recognize that, and mm -hmm. um, and you don't see it. In, in current events right now, you see more of a dependence upon science, mm -hmm. upon human wisdom. Mm -hmm. But all human wisdom comes from the source and origin of wisdom. Yeah. And so we have to recognize that and give okay. God the credit for that. Okay. So it's not, it's not proposing faith instead of reason. It's trying to propose reason and faith together, right? It's a unitary vision, it sounds like. Correct. Yep. Okay. You, can't, you can't have a you you wouldn't have true faith without mm -hmm. reason. Okay. You know you have to have both. Okay. Uh, to see, um, 
you can you can only go so far too with wisdom. You know, yeah. you can go so far, and then you still have to make that jump, that mm-hmm. leap of faith. Okay. And what makes this different than the secret wisdom that Gnostics and that sort of strain of religious thinking is so fascinated by? See, again, I, I think when, when we're talking about the Gnostics and we're, we're, we're mostly focused on human wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, what they can uh, understand from the world around them. Uh, but there's not necessarily faith there. Okay. You know? Okay. But like you'd said earlier, I think Thomas Thomas would say that that it all leads back to God, that any any true wisdom is going to be leading to Christ, to his mother, correct? Yes. He, he, he says exitus reditus, you know, everything mm-hmm. comes forth from God and everything returns to God. Yeah. Whether it wants to or not. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Who is your intended audience for this book, do you think? Who will be best served by picking this up? I mean, I think anybody would gain something from reading it. Uh, I've had people who you know, have a, a good knowledge of the mm-hmm. faith, uh, but I wouldn't say they're scholars, mm-hmm. and they read this and understand it and uh, take away a lot from it. Uh, yeah, I think that so, certainly it's it's for those who have read other books on Catholicism or who are, have read more broadly in some of the subjects addressed perhaps not necessarily the first thing people would pick up. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I would say uh, there's a lot of wisdom in there that, you know, about God, you mm-hmm. know, that, that uh, God's wisdom, um, that people will understand more about their faith, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, a lot of the language that's used in there comes mm-hmm. from the catechism, comes from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. So it is not uh, language that is popular language. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, some people may not understand yeah. certain things. Uh, but I always explain in the writing what mm-hmm. that language means. Okay. You know, I, when I, if I say something that's a theological term, I'll explain what that means. Okay. So people should still be be able to understand it. Okay. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear some of the feedback you get from folk. Uh, so among the topics addressed in the book, you speak of marriage as a union of the man, of the woman, and God, the three parties in the marriage mirroring the three persons of the Trinity. How do Catholic spouses live their marriage as such a high calling? I mean, there's there's sort of the ordinary messiness of marriage. How do you do that and keep this incredibly high vision of marriage in mind at the same time? I think by the understanding that uh, you are to get your spouse to heaven. Okay. Okay. If you understand that spiritual reality, as in your your uh, your duty as a spouse is to try to uh, be holy mm-hmm. with your spouse, and yeah. we, and we can't do that without God's inter mm-hmm. you know intercession. You know, He He gives us the grace to. Uh, yeah. Okay. How do couples welcome that grace? What do they do in order to to open God, their marriage to God's help and intercession? I would say definitely to um, stay receiving their sacraments. Mm-hmm. If you don't receive the sacraments, um, that's going to be, become much more difficult. Going to Mass, receiving our Lord, mm-hmm. you receive a tremendous amount of grace when you receive our Lord with an open and worthy heart. Yeah. Uh, going to confession, you know, to, to make sure that... Uh, 
you're you're not uh, encumbered by sin, you know, and blocking that grace, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yeah, the sacraments are there for us and have been given us okay. uh, that we are sanctified, you know, and okay. walk with the Lord. And talk about maybe some of the advice you'd give as a Marian. You know, how would Divine Mercy help a couple? How would Mary Immaculate help a couple? I would say, uh, <clears throat> you know, Mary uh, intercedes for us again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so if we are having trouble in, in any of the sacraments, you know, especially marriage, mm-hmm. you you receive grace through that sacrament Yep. to live married life. Yep. Uh, and if you ask Our Lady to intercede and 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 uh, to uh, you'll beg the Lord for that grace. Yep. To 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 uh, you know live married life. Mm-hmm. Then I would say uh, she will definitely help. You know she yep. always she always does. Okay. <clears throat> and and divine mercy. The how would the devotions fit into a married life? I was thinking especially the chaplet is so quick that that's an easier devotion. Perhaps especially if you have kids and everything else going on. Yeah, it's a, definitely. A shorter uh, devotion, uh, but it's a powerful devotion. Mm-hmm. You know, especially uh, if if uh, a member of your family is is dying, mm-hmm. you have to pray for that member of your family. Uh, but I would say, with any prayer, it shouldn't be done as a duty or mm-hmm. uh, to think of it as a duty or a obligation, mm-hmm. but to think of it as your lifeline to God. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't want to uh, shortchange that. Mm-hmm. And and to see prayer as something that uh, is very holy and very serious. Mm-hmm. It's not just uh, something to pass the time, or uh, you know I'm going to rattle off these short prayers mm-hmm. and hope that you know God is listening. But to know that God is listening, and therefore you make your prayers serious. But yeah, it's, I, I, uh, I think I hear what you're saying. I think. I think there's a part of me that's also kind of pushing back and wants wants to say that I think even if it's only a duty, even if today is a day where you can only do it as a duty, that's fine. Like it's not it's not as though on the dry days or the bad days you don't pray at all rather than do it as a duty. But but you're right that it should be a relationship and it should be out of that knowledge of God's omniscience, omnipotence, not as superstition, not as if I say these prayers, I'll get this result, but rather saying I love you to God, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, with both the joy and the seriousness that would go along with with that sort of thing. Absolutely. Okay, talk a bit about that. That that here we've got Mary. Mary is as the seat of wisdom, and you've got the thinking of the mysteries of the Rosary. Clearly, the full Christian life is sorrowful, but it's also joyful, and it's also luminous, and it's also glorious. Talk about living life in light of that sort of balance of of joy and sorrow of seriousness and lightness. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a thing where we need to uh, encounter sorrow and we mm-hmm. will inevitably encounter it. Um, you know, it, the saints will say that they get joy from mm-hmm. that suffering, but that's only because they unite that suffering to Christ's suffering by the grace of God, yeah. Um, and so, so I wouldn't say anyone would say, uh, you know, I, I have this unbelievable amount of joy because mm-hmm. I, I suffered this or that. You know, it's only through that uniting that suffering with Christ's suffering 
yep. that we, we will ever get joy from that. Okay. But it is something that we need. Um, and we will have those moments, you know, uh, somebody that decides to get married, somebody, you know, they had, the couple has a child. Mm -hmm. There's going to be joy in your life too. Yep. But I would say that the, you know, the status quo is that we will encounter probably more suffering mm -hmm. than we will joy, true joy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hopefully not, but yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Certainly we hear some of those stories on the Hill, I know. Some of the people who come up here having endured a great deal over their lifetimes and it's incredible the joy that they've also found through divine mercy, through devotion to Mary, um, through the ministry of the Marians at times. Um, people people with some incredible stories over the years. Um, okay. So then so, – Well, I would say mm -hmm. you know, there's a, we have to separate the difference between happiness. Mm -hmm. She likes we, – we, we have happiness but the thing is joy mm -hmm. is something – I mean when you receive the Eucharist, we should have unbelievable amounts of joy. Okay. Okay. Because that is uniting us in a most powerful way. Mm -hmm. more than anything else that we could do mm -hmm. uh, because that is the true presence of our Lord, you okay. know, when we receive our, the Eucharist. So that spiritually, that should be where we find our joy, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's, there's a little bit of a difference between happiness and joy, I would say. Okay. It's an interesting distinction, um, especially as, as the language has changed over the years as well. Um, so what does that look like then in a marriage? What is a happy marriage? What is a, a joyful marriage? I would say, you know, when, when both spouses are uh, mindful mm -hmm. of the other and uh, that desire to want to make the other spouse happy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not to focus on yourself and to, to go within yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of close in on yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and only worry about your needs, and, and but to always be seeking the you know to to make your spouse happy. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you know always in line with God's will. Mm -hmm. You know. Okay. Yeah, and and how does that how does that balance with the golden rule of of the healthy self love that that is the foundation of love in the other. Well, we always have to uh, – let's see. We always have to look out for our own holiness, mm -hmm. you know, with God. You know, so the, there's that personal holiness that we have to have and then there's the – you know, your marriage. You're, you're, you're looking out for your spouse as well. And I think that if you're looking out for your own holiness and making sure that you receive the sacraments mm -hmm. and receive grace uh, and uh, go to confession and – you know, get rid of the sins that you that you committed. Mm -hmm. uh, be forgiven for those. Um, I think that the other will fall into place. Okay. Because you're trying to live a holy life. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, let me see. So how do we? You cover that and a great many other topics in this book. Uh, we live in particularly challenging times for proclaiming the faith. How do we speak some of this truth and love? And how do we? How do we? Make sure to bring together love and truth as we share the faith. I would say, uh, you know, always to be proclaiming the Lord. The thing is, sometimes that doesn't have to be uh, 
kind of in your face, mm-hmm. but just in the way you live your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone, when I was uh, an engineer, uh, I think everyone knew what I thought mm-hmm. about the faith, about life issues. Yeah. They knew about that because, you know, if, if we got into that kind of a conversation, I would be standing up for mm-hmm. life yeah. and, and uh, God. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was out there preaching to them and, mm-hmm. and quoting from the Bible, but I was living, trying to live life as a Catholic. Yeah. Okay. So then the life is the foundation of the proclamation. Yes, I would think so. Okay. You, 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 that you understand, you know, what mm-hmm. God's will is, uh, you know, from the scriptures and from uh, preaching. Mm-hmm. You understand the faith. You understand uh, what the church is teaching, you mm-hmm. know, the catechism of the church. And then you try to live according to those tenets. Okay. Um, and how does that translate into... A, a lived witness done out of love of neighbor. What does that sort of, how does that guide? It's the beginning of our proclamation, but I feel like there's more to be said about the, the process of proclamation. I guess I'm kind of looking for guidelines for folk. Like you're in a situation, someone has challenged the faith. Oh, I see. How does one do that? How does one proclaim the truth in love? What do we have to keep in mind in the moment as we're doing that? I would say, you know, respect for the other person, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Uh, you know, to try to communicate what you're trying to communicate, uh, that doesn't mean that you back down or compromise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what the faith is. But I would say not to use the faith as a weapon, mm-hmm. but to um, educate others as best you can. And, and really, you have to have a person who is willing to listen. Mm-hmm. If uh, you have someone who has their mind made up and they're closed-minded, mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult to get them to listen yeah. to what you're saying. But if they have an open mind, yep. uh, then you can stand up for the faith and not compromise yep. and, and try to, even if you don't agree, if the person doesn't agree, at least they would uh, respect mm-hmm. your opinion, Okay, I would say. Okay. You discuss the moral law in a number of these essays, but you also discuss divine mercy and the vital importance of forgiveness. Why are these things so inextricable, the the moral law and divine mercy? Because most people would not put those together. They would assume that they're completely opposed. I would say, you know, we might be talking here about the, um, the difference between justice and mercy. Okay. Okay. So there, there is, you know, God will have mercy on us, mm-hmm. okay, but we have to uh, admit, you know, our failings, okay, mm-hmm. and ask for that forgiveness, okay? If we're not willing to do that, mm-hmm. then we have to understand that God will be just, mm-hmm. you know, in, in concerning us. And so um, I would say that we need to ask for that grace, you know, to, to understand and to... Um, you know, understand the reasons for God's law, mm-hmm. you know, what, what he gives us, uh, and to understand that we need to ask for forgiveness when we, you know, to admit our faults, mm-hmm. you know, because many people are not willing to admit their faults yeah. or to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something very, very key. We need to. And uh, once we have done that, so we, we became humble, 
mm-hmm. okay, in that moment, that we admit our faults, okay? And uh, God, the God who sees that, our God, is not going to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, exact justice on us when, mm-hmm. when, when he, he can forgive us, you know? Okay. All right. So then kind of the path to morality is the path through mercy, is the path through recognizing that we are fallen and the law is greater than us, that our justice comes through something other than the law. Am I hearing you right? Yeah, I mean, justice, you know, I mean, God, he gives us that in the scriptures many times. I mean, uh, he does not want our destruction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he wants to, to lift us up. Mm-hmm. But we have to help him in that venture in that we become humble, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, to recognize that we have to have humility and that we have to ask for that forgiveness, mm-hmm. you know, when we, when we fall. Okay. All right. How is, what does it mean that we give Our Lady the title Refuge of Sinners as well as Seat of Wisdom? What does it mean that she is, she brings those two together and she also, she is immaculate, she's the mother of mercy, just like the moral law and mercy go together. It seems like Our, Our Lady who is perfectly pure is also the hope for all of us who aren't <laughs> perfectly pure. How does that go together in the church's faith and practice? Well, I would say that uh, if you think of it in terms of a child, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you get hurt or uh, or someone is injuring you in some way, mm-hmm. you know, you would run to your mother. Yeah, and I think that that's a similar. Uh, you know, we would go to her, you know, and ask to inter- her to intercede for us. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you know, when you think about it, you know, Jesus gave her to us at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. And so she's our mother. Yeah. And so we have to, you know, ask her for that intercession. Okay. And it's it's all part of the, the one of the great mysteries that I, I have no real adequate explanation or understanding of that Francis talks about at the start of Misericordia Voltius. Jesus is the face of the Father's mercy. And then throughout you get... Justice and mercy are two sides of the same reality, and I've heard that, and I've thought about that, and I and I still my eyes go cross-eyed when I'm when I'm staring at that. Can you give us some greater sense of that that connection in God between justice and mercy? Well, I would say you know you know we think of things in terms of uh, in terms you know very um, uh, what would I say. We compartmentalize yeah. and, uh, you know, attribute mm-hmm. certain things to, you know, so like we would say, okay, well, uh, Jesus is mercy and God is justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, God the Father is justice. But no, they're all the same. Yeah. You know, we're talking about one God, one, one, one in substance, but mm-hmm. there's three persons. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that uh, those... You know, we can't attribute like one of those things mm-hmm. to a person of the Trinity. You know, yep. it's all it's all encompassing. You know, mm-hmm. so I would say they're both. You know, the 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 the, the Trinity is both. You know, going to be about love and justice. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can't separate that. You know. Yeah. Okay. Whereas, 
one thing that I've I've certainly heard pointed out over the years, or um, is the the in the court of heaven the devil is the prosecuting attorney, that we tend to think of God as accusing the sinner, but in fact it's not God; it's the devil. Um, so so could you say then heaven is justice and mercy, and hell is just justice? Hell is a merciless sort of legalism, whereas Jesus is the law. Jesus is the law alive, but he's also the merciful savior. Is that is that a fair connection to draw? Well, I would say, you know, that, you know, you know hell basically is the, the person's refusal mm -hmm. to accept mercy and yep. forgiveness, you know. Uh, they, they don't want to approach God for it. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to ask God for forgiveness. Yeah. And so it's not God who says, now I can, you know, I basically condemned you to, yeah. you to hell for this. It's the person mm -hmm. is asking for that themselves mm -hmm. based on not asking for forgiveness and mercy. Okay. All right. And why is it that Jesus makes such great promises for those who proclaim his mercy? Why is that? Why is the proclamation of mercy so important to our times, according to Faustina, according to Jesus as recorded in her diary? I think because you know the the tendency is for to uh, to avoid asking for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. If you think about when you uh, inadvertently injure someone through your words mm -hmm. or through your actions, uh, the tendency is to just say, "Well, it wasn't that bad." You know, I'm not going to go. Mm -hmm. Say sorry for this, you know. When really we need yeah. to recognize that, reflect upon that, yeah. how we injured that person, and then go to him and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that uh, a person is going to be always willing to forgive you. Yeah. They may not, but to rid yourself of that. Uh, I would say to rid. To rid yourself of, you know, holding grudges and all this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you forgive from the heart. Yep. Always. Okay. In order that we may be forgiven. Even even that, you know, if that person won't forgive you mm -hmm. for your, your injuring them. Yep. You know, you still have to let go of that. Yep. Uh, even if the person won't forgive. How do we how do we practicing Catholics, not necessarily faithful or good Catholics, but practicing Catholics, most effectively share holy wisdom with our neighbors? Again, I think the most effective mm -hmm. uh, witness is you know is your witness, you know, in your the way you live your life. Okay. Um, you know, I think that is the best way uh, because even if they won't accept, you know. Uh, you know, sit down and have a conversation mm -hmm. with you about God. Yeah, and you know, it's not something that's on the forefront of their mind or something they want to discuss. Mm -hmm. But they see you uh, with some mm -hmm. sense of happiness and some sense of uh, yeah. grounding. Okay, yeah. and they want that. That's attractive to them. Okay. Yeah. So, and let's let's break that down a little further. Because you have several sets of neighbors. You've got the neighbors who were once Catholic and are not anymore. You've got the neighbors who are some form of Christian. You've got the neighbors who don't have faith, have never had faith, have no interest in faith. Are, is there a different way of approaching each of those groups of neighbor? 
I would say, yeah. I would say, yeah. But um, not in the way you live your life. Okay. You know, I'd say you still live your life according yeah. to God's will and, you know, uh, receive that grace through mm-hmm. the sacraments. Uh, so you're still uh, living your life no matter who you're encountering. Yep. Uh, but maybe specialize what you're uh, speaking about, mm-hmm. you know, with those who are open to that. Yep. I would say. Okay. Okay. Um, how does that work? You as a Marian in some ways have, have an easier time, I would say, proclaiming than your average layperson. The caller kind of is a giveaway <laughs> as, as to your commitment and that sort of thing. What, um, what have you and your brother Marians found to be more effective in your particular vocation for this sort of proclamation, this sort of sharing of holy wisdom? Uh, for myself, I would say uh, always for, you know, I, I can't think about being any other way. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, I, but I would say sticking to the true teachings of the church mm-hmm. and proclaiming that truth yeah. because I think people are hungry for that truth uh, and they know instinctively mm-hmm. when it's not the truth mm-hmm. that's being proclaimed. So I would say for myself, that's where I see the most fruit. Okay. Is is when I'm preaching the truth and sticking to the teachings of the church. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any last practical advice for our listeners? You know, they assume assume they run off, they pick up your book. What do they do once they've read it? How do they apply it? How do they use it? How do they share it? What's what's the next step? Well, I think the 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 first uh, thing I would say is that to truly take it in and understand what's mm-hmm. being said. Yep. And to see. And to investigate it, yeah. you know, so you read something in here and go to the catechism, read the catechism, and a lot of the catechism points, I'll, I'll quote them, mm-hmm. but there may be more in there in the catechism that applies to the subjects that I'm speaking about. Yeah. So to investigate, I would say, what's being said, why it's being said, yep. you know, by the church, being proclaimed by the church, uh, and I think that's the most, that's where you're going to gain the most fruit, mm-hmm. I would say is when you see what the church is teaching and why they're saying it, you know, about life issues, yep. whatever it is. Uh, so you understand that this is not just a rigid law that mm-hmm. God says we must adhere to, okay. but that he really loves and cares for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, most people have have no, there's no connection in most people's minds, I think, between law and love. And that that sounds that does sound strange. I think to an American, especially. Um, kind of last thought, I guess. Talk a little about that, especially in light of God as Father. I would say, you know, if you think about the uh, the, the law as concerns uh, the Israelites, the Hebrews, you know, that was given mm-hmm. to, to to Moses, and uh, you know, so you have that law, that rigid, those rigid things mm-hmm. that were to adhere to, right? Yep. But why, you know, that was like the teacher. They, they say that they call it the pedagogue, you know. The teacher was that. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus gives us the heart of the law. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's like it was helpful to, 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 to uh, get people to think in those terms, okay. Mm-hmm. But then he gives us the heart of it and he, he, he shows us his love. Yep. That's what it is. Well, thanks very much, Father. I've been talking to Father Kendo Santos, author of Hagia Sophia, The Wisdom of God as Offered to the Modern World. 
Thank you so much, Chris. To order Hagia Sophia, The Wisdom of God as Offered to the Modern World, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.